In the holy name of Jesus, amen. You've all had those moments where you look at your family, your friends, your co-workers, and even yourself in the mirror, and you simply say, what are we going to do now? Maybe your car is on fire. Maybe your house is flooded. Maybe you've got a pink slip from your job. Maybe the doctor has come in and given you a medical diagnosis that doesn't look so good. In the midst of those times, we look like we don't know what to do because we don't, and we don't know where to turn, and the big question mark is in before us throughout our life. In the midst of those moments, we literally look at everything possible and say, please help, or what are we going to do? Who do I go speak to? Who do I go see? Who do I need to call? In the midst of those moments, where does all of this place fit in to that? The Christian faith, the church, your brothers and sisters in Christ, and absolutely Jesus himself. Is he the one that we just rely on and lean on when our back is completely up against the wall? Yes. Is he the first one that we call upon in our time of trouble? Eh, not so sure. Is he the one that we look at a problem and evaluate, now really should I pray about this or not? My old campus pastor who brought me back into the Christian church told me something about prayer one time, and that was simply this. When there are times like you feel like you don't need to pray, pray! And when there's times like you feel like you need to pray, Pray. See, we look at our issues, our problems, and our situations, and we line them up and say, can I really handle this? Can I take care of this? Can I solve this? Or is this something that is out of my league? Time and time again, the scriptures speak to us about how God puts his people to the test. We heard about this in Deuteronomy 13 today in our adult Bible class where false prophets and false teachers will come along trying to mislead the people of God, and God is at times sending them to test his people. Jesus oftentimes says things to his disciples to test them, but you and I are pretty much like we always have been when the teacher would walk in and say, hey, I've got a pop quiz today. Nobody sits there and says, yes. If you do, please talk to me. God tests us. Luther talks about this in three different ways concerning the Word of God. We pray on the Word of God, we meditate on the Word of God, and God will put us to the test. But we don't like that. We have enough tests on our own, Pastor. It's testing enough just to live in this world full of sin and sadness and darkness. Right, and guess what? You've added to the sin, the sadness, and the darkness. You've added it to yourself and to the lives of others around you as well. So in the midst of God giving a test, we're the ones that are messing up the papers and breaking the pencils and everything else that people are trying to use to get through the test. But why does God do this? Does he seem like some angry, 
crazy puppet master who's sitting there trying to say, I love to see these people squirm and run around like they don't know what they're doing. No. He does this to strengthen our faith and our trust and our hope in him. Why? Because you and I don't know any other way of being drawn back to him. You shall have no other gods before him. You don't fear love and trust him above all things, and neither do I. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You don't hold God's word in high reverence and his preaching and teaching given to you, just like I don't. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We have all gone our own way. We're astray. And the only way at times that God brings us back into his fold is by testing us. By letting us go our own way and see exactly where that takes us. Time and time again in the scriptures, Jesus supplies things for those who are in need. He casts out the demons, he heals the sick and the blind, he forgives sinners, he restores hearing to the deaf, and even raises the dead. Yet the disciples, like us, eh, were a little slow. See, we like to look at the disciples and say, oh, come on, guys, what's the matter with you? You're the inner circle of Jesus. You're the ones that Jesus called upon to follow you. Wake up! What's the matter with you? How long have you been in this place? How long have you heard these texts? How long have you been praying and crying out to God for these things and yet stumbled and even forgotten God's providential care for you but also the idea that he might be putting you to the test to prove and refine you? The same happens with these miraculous feedings. You would think that after Jesus today had fed a crowd of 5,000 a crowd of 4,000 would seem easier. We heard about the feeding of the 5,000 back in Lent 4. But here they are, the same situation, same statement from Jesus. We should give them something to eat. Why? There's a lot of people here. They've traveled far. And if they go back without any food, not only are they going to be hangry, they're going to faint. How do we do this? What do we do? You would think that they would remember. Oh, yes. It's like deja vu. Like this has already happened. But then we should have learned too. We listened to this same gospel back in springtime, back in Lent. It was the feeding of the 5,000. But what has happened since Lent for you? Things have been going well. Any big problems? Any big frustrations? Have you run short of bread? Oh, yes, imagine that. We actually go to the grocery store now and say, oh my goodness, everybody wanted crackers. No, there's a shortage. Have you run out of patience and hope? Have you fallen away from the Christian life of holiness? Have you stumbled back into your sins as the answers for your troubles? Have you felt despair? Have you looked at your family, your work, your health, your house, your office? Have you looked at your own soul and your scattered mind? And have you simply felt like cashing it all in, given up? Into all of this, 
I want you to take note of what Jesus says at the very beginning of the problem. He says, I have compassion. That compassion is not just, oh, I'm sorry you guys are hungry. I hope something happens. Compassion here is this gut-churning, life-changing action to make something better for somebody. It's not just simply, I feel bad for you, but it is, I want to take on your problem and make it my own and make it right. And unlike the compassion of others, Jesus is the one who does not nearly say it or contrive it in a way to get others to take care of it or pay for it. He is the one who gives compassion. It's a free gift. That's why Paul reminds us today the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus sees the need of you, his people. He saw the need of his people in the wilderness, and he gives his gifts of compassion. In the same way, Jesus gives us this gospel each and every Sunday. He wants you to see and be reminded that he will not abandon you, his people. He will not send them away hungry. And this sounds all fantastic. This sounds like A plus B equals C, compassion. Everything is solved. Let's all go home and open up our umbrellas that haven't been opened for three months and sit and relax because we know that God is going to do this. But here is the thing. Here's the big thing I want you to think about today. It's his timing. God's timing for resolving your problem is the big mystery. When you've got a problem, what do you do? I want it solved yesterday. I want it solved right away. I'm going to go to the Google and see what the Google does. I want to see what the YouTube says to me of how to fix this problem. And if it takes you a five-minute video to watch, you're like, yes. But if you look up a video to fix your dryer and it's 48 minutes long, ugh, this is going to take too long. God's timing is not your timing with fixing your problems. His timing is not the way that you would suspect it. That I can just hop on the internet, figure it out, and everything's good, and you can post to everybody on social media about how your dryer was on fire, and now you put it out, and now it's running again better than it ever has before. When you face the bigger issues of life, when you face the bigger problems of life and even death, sometimes God's timing for resolving your problem will leave you completely exhausted. It comes at times when the disciples see, we don't know what to do. There's no hope, no resource, no solution. How can we feed these people? Jesus, take care of us. The boat's going to sink. What's the matter with you? You're sleeping while there's a storm going on. There doesn't seem like there's any resource or solution. It comes not when people are saying, eh, I'm getting the munchies. It comes when they are saying, I am so hungry, I'm going to pass out. But the key is, is that it comes. Jesus is not a magic genie. Where you rub the bottle and you pray once or twice and 
He poofs and says, oh my goodness, I didn't realize he needed this. And there, there you go, be on your way. Sometimes he says, you're going to have to wait. But just like any children amongst us, we are the children of God. And if you are like me, like a child of God, you say what? I don't want to wait. I don't want to wait for the fish. Fix it already. Be done with it. This is terrible. But as my dad used to say to me, all good things come to those who wait. Yeah. Oh, be quiet. That's what I used to say. This is an admonition for us today. Jesus has compassion. That's the first thing. But it's also a call to get our priorities straight. What kind of recklessness have I shown in part of following Jesus? What kind of recklessness had the disciples done with following Jesus into the wilderness a second time with no food? But that is a lesson for us. We, by nature, put food, clothing, the internet, the temporal things, and we look at the words and promises of God, and we look at them afterwards, after our energy is completely spent. But our Lord is showing us the reverse. He is saying to us today, pay attention to my word first. Seek first the kingdom of God. Be first of all my disciple. I am determined not to let you starve. So I will see to it that you have what you need. Listen to my word and follow me and everything that you need, I will supply for you. So what does that mean? Any problem, any situation that your rear end is stuck in, what does God say? Call upon me in the day of trouble and I will deliver you. Pray about it. You're like me who a couple weeks ago had a flat tire when it was 180,000 degrees outside. Jesus, help. Really what I was saying, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. All right? Yes, but nonetheless, and I got through it with the help of some dear saints. Every little thing, it might not seem like a big thing, to you, but every little thing should be laid at the feet of Jesus. Every little person in your life should be laid at the feet of Jesus. Pastor, we can't seem to get through them. Pastor, they don't seem to be coming back to church. Pastor, they're really struggling. They're really having difficult times. We should put these at the feet of Jesus. One of the greatest things I learned at Doxology a couple months ago in Texas was the fact that as you come up here to the communion rail, you have the opportunity to receive the precious body and blood of Jesus for the forgiveness of all of your sins and for the strengthening of your faith. But one of the things that one of the professors told us as well is, is that at that time, you should bring all of your problems and even the people that you're concerned with to this rail and speak those things out as you are receiving the body and blood of Jesus. If it's a person's name, if it's your son or daughter or grandchildren, speak out their name as you're receiving this. If it's a problem that you're having with some sort of terrible difficulty, some sort of uh, temptation, some sort of sin, speak these things out. And no, I'm not asking you to tell everybody 
with great shouts of what these problems are, but speak these things out because here is where you see the Lord face to face in the midst of your trials and tribulations, and here is where the kingdom of God comes in and literally disrupts your life for the blessings and benefits of what Jesus has to give to you. Perhaps you've wondered why there is a feeding of the 5,000 and now the feeding of the 4,000. Unlike the feeding of the 5,000, the feeding of the 4,000 takes place in a Gentile territory. Number 4,000 indicates the completeness of the four corners of the earth, namely the kingdom of Jesus must go out to all the worlds, and that is all the world, and that is what's been given to us here today. This is the answer to our problems, our biggest problem of even death. It has been laid into your lap today. Salvation by faith through Jesus Christ. You have been given baptism. You've been given the Lord's Supper. The, our, the, all, the, the answer to all of this is found in the mouth of Jesus no matter how far away we are straying, you will not faint on the way. You see what he's given to you today. You see that he wants to hear your cries for mercy. Whether they are overwhelming or whether they seem rather petty. Do you see that he wants to take all, away of your, all of your sins away that keep you from doing this? And he does this in the midst of a dark and dying and broken world. He does this in the midst of people who are difficult to get along with, in the midst of all those worries that keep you up at night. When Jesus feeds you with his holy Eucharist here today, he not only forgives you of your sins, but he strengthens your faith. This is why Paul said to us today in Romans you have been set free from sin. That's why I end having the communion post-blessing say, the body and blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ strengthen and fulfill you in everlasting life and body and soul to life everlasting. Depart in peace and joy. You are free. Is that true for you? Is that evident for you and those around you? If not, it doesn't matter because Jesus still comes to you this day. None of us does this perfectly. None of us follows this perfectly. So Jesus invites you again and again and again to his table and to his word to learn. He knows your sin. He knows your weakness. Yet he still looks at us with compassion. He will not send you away empty. But he gives you today precisely what you need and when you need it. He takes your weakness to himself. He takes those people, those problems, those situations that are overwhelming and gives you in exchange his righteousness. So be glad and take heart for the Lord has had compassion on you. Even when you're saying, what do we do now? To Christ alone be the glory forever and ever. Amen.